So good to be with you guys today. And beautiful, I mean, we were in the Midwest and we love the Midwest, but there's nothing like coming back to Santa Barbara. And uh, Tam and I, you know, the second best thing happened to me in Santa Barbara. I met my wife, Tammy, at uh, UCSB. And uh, any other gauchos here? I know we have one. All right. Also, I went to Westmont, but I ran out of money. Those of you who are nervous, yeah, those people who went to Westmont, do you understand? But uh, anyway, we've had a, a long relationship with reality, and it's so, so good to be back with you guys. And I bring you greetings from our brothers and sisters in Tanzania. And the way we do this is I go like this. Do you receive the greetings? And if you do, you go like this, all right? So receive greetings from your brothers and sisters in Tanzania. Amen. We'll take a picture of you guys to take back with us. Um, you are very loved. And, you know, Tammy and I uh, spent that time that Karen was talking about with Stephen and Joseph. And, wow, our hearts were just knit together in the uh, couple hours that we had. And it was so exciting to see their heart for this church and their, their, this community and what they want to do. And, uh, you know, there's, transitions are always hard. Um, you know, there's kind of like a death, and it, it feels difficult and hard. And I don't know if you guys saw that cartoon of here's a man in a burning building, and the name of the building is 2020, right? And so he jumps off the building and is saved by the firemen who have a trampoline to catch him. But instead of catching him, it bounces him right into 2021, and that building is burning too. <laughs> and we're like, wow, you know, it's like 2020 was so hard, and 2021 is, you know, not a whole lot better. And, you know, we're dealing with so many difficult issues these days. But I'm here to tell you that these things are a blessing in disguise for those of us who are chosen of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the truth is, in these times we can begin to see those areas in our lives where we built things on sinking sand instead of the solid rock that we're talk, that's talked about in Matthew 7. We begin to see, see what's real. We begin to see what's not. We begin to see what we can depend on and what we really can't depend on. We begin to see the promises we can trust and the promises that are not really true promises. And we begin to see what truly gives us life and probably most important than all of all, we begin to see the lovers in our lives, the things we've given our love to that are deceptive and addictive. And instead, Jesus is wooing us back to our first love. Hebrews 12 says, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wow, what a promise we have. That's what this time is about, brothers and sisters, is about things that are being shaken in our lives. 30 years ago, Tam and I were sent out by Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, we went into the unknown. We went to work with a people group called the Maasai who live in East Africa, Kenya, and Tanzania. And we were nervous and we were afraid. But God met us every step of the way. One of the things I've found 
about is that when we choose comfort over faith, when we choose fear over faith, our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But when we choose faith, when we choose to say, God, I will follow you wherever you lead me, I will go, and this is the missionary prayer, I will go where you lead me and what you feed me I will eat. Or we also say, say pray, you know, Lord, I will, I will eat it and put it down if you'll keep it down. But when we, we say yes to the Father, when we say yes to his incredible love, which is transformative in our lives, there's something that happens in us where our world doesn't get smaller, but our world gets bigger. I remember when we were in a difficult, difficult time in Tanzania, um, there was a lot of spiritual warfare going on. It was actually in Kenya, right on the border of Tanzania. Spiritual warfare was going on. I had been maligned in the community and there was a death threat against me and there was people who were armed with AK-47s who were trying to get me and we had to create a, a safe place in the house to hide we had no 911, we had no police to call. We're three hours from any kind of help whatsoever. And my wife said, you know, it's times like this that we have to come back to the basics of God's love. It's times like this that we have to keep our heads down and stick to the basics and remember that we serve a God who is greater than that which comes against us. So today I want to talk about those basics. I want to go back to what, 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 what is this gospel all about? What is it that we're doing? I love that you guys are studying Mark and, 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 and talking about the king. And today I want to talk about the kingdom because you cannot have a kingdom without a king. I'm going to start off in Genesis 12, verse 1. But before I do, let me just pray. Lord, I thank you so much. that we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I thank you so much, Father, that you are the one who establishes our steps even though we plan our way. I thank you, Father, that you are the one who planted Santa Barbara reality. I thank you that you are the one who is continuing to plant your church in East Africa and around the world. Father, would you be with us here today? We love you. Lord, I don't have the words that I need to be able to express what you put on my heart, but I pray that you would give me those words. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I show you. And I'll make you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I love a good story. I love adventure. And this is a story of adventure. The gospel is the greatest story ever told. And we were told, we are told in Deuteronomy 6-7 to teach this to our children. 
And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. It's a story of blessing. I'm gonna share with you the story of God. I'm gonna share about your story and then I'm gonna share a little bit about Tammy in my story and how they interlace together. The story of God. The story of God is a story of a father and a son and their mission of love to seek and to save that which is lost. God in Genesis 1.26 said, then God, the Trinity, said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man. This is the beginning of the story. We all know it. But God created man for relationship and for image bearing. But then Adam and Eve decided that they could seek out self-realization outside of image bearing, the, bearing the image of, of, of God, the one who created them, and the relationship was broken. Sin entered the world. But at that very moment that sin entered the world, God set in motion a redemptive plan. The storyline was written. And then there's this large gap, and, and we see in the Old Testament that people began to try to seek their own way. In Genesis 11, they came together and they said, let us, let us be great and let us come together and build a tower that will reach to heaven. And it's, a, it's an example of hum, humanism. It's an example of, of man saying, I can be great outside of image bearing. I can be great outside of who God made me to be. And they built this tower and God came and frustrated them by giving them different languages. So when one asked for a hammer, he was given a saw and they could no longer work together. And the nations were scattered. And that was the foundation of the nations that we see today. In Tanzania alone, we have 120 different language groups. In, T in Kenya, we have about 60. That's completely different languages that aren't even related to, get to each other. So God used the different languages to scatter people throughout the world because they were trying to seek God in their own strength outside of God's story. But then, of course, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because of the love of God, because of this love of the Father where he wanted to restore his children to his loving home, he set in motion the redemptive plan by sending his only son. And Jesus, it says in the New Testament, showed us the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he paid the price by, of course, coming to the cross and dying and setting us free from a life of sin, from a life of seeking God and seeking meaning outside of God's plan. Then there's this incredible picture. The roads on the, uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know, Jesus had died, and, and the disciples, they thought he was coming to redeem them from Rome, to set them free from the Roman Empire. So they're walking on the road together, and they're talking, and Jesus comes and joins them, but he's not recognized by them. And he says, what are you guys talking about? And he, they said, well, 
are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what has happened these last few days? And they begin to tell the story of Jesus. And they said, and we are disappointed because we had hoped that he was the one who was going to be redeeming Israel. And then Jesus began to talk to them and share with them. And they came to a house and they welcomed him in to spend the night. And as he prayed and broke bread, they all of a sudden recognized who he was and he disappeared. They get up and they run back to Jerusalem to tell the brothers, guess what? This reality, the way we had pictured Jesus is not the whole picture. He's much bigger than that because you know what? We watched him die on a cross, but we just saw him resurrected in bodily form. And as they ran, they said, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us? Weren't our hearts burning within us? So they run back to meet the other disciples. And it says the 11 were all meeting together in a room. And all of a sudden, Jesus was there in, 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 in their, their midst. And I, I bring this chapter up, this scripture up, because it really shows the game plan, the overarching meaning of the kingdom of God. It says this, Luke 24, 44 to 49. Now he said to them, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. This is a a helicopter view of the scriptures, a helicopter view of the whole story of the gospel that God made man for relationship, but man chose to seek meaning outside of that relationship. And when sin entered the world, God set in motion this redemptive plan But to do so, he needed to do it through covenant. So he covenanted with Adam, then later with Noah, then later with Moses and the children of Israel. And then amongst the children of Israel was the family of David. And the family of David was the family of Joseph. And the family of Joseph came Jesus. It was like this hourglass. It came all the way down to Jesus. And Jesus died for the sins of the world. And then repentance and salvation will be preached in his name to the whole world. So the hourglass all of a sudden gets really big again. That's for the whole world. This is the fulfillment of Genesis 12. That in Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You see, missions is not a part of this book. This book is a missions manual. It's all about mission. It's all about a father and a son and their mission to seek and to save that which is lost. But there's more. The day of Pentecost, they're all waiting together. They're not quite sure what they're supposed to do. And all of a sudden, like a rushing wind, the Holy Spirit comes. I'm a Holy Spirit guy. I'll just confess it right now. You can't get a whole lot done without the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, incredible, incredible things happen. So they're all together. They're waiting. And the the Holy Spirit comes like with a rushing wind. 
and, and they began to see flames above people's heads. And they're like, what, what is going on? And, they said, and then they said in Acts 2, starting in verse 8, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Perithians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Do you see the, the connection to the Tower of Babel? Natural language was used to scatter the nations. But then in Acts 2, spiritual language brought them together. We, we like your worship, we love your worship, but it's not quite the same as Maasai worship. When we worship with Maasai, everyone, there's a space in front, everyone comes together and begins to dance. Yeah, yeah, Rama, yeah. And then we begin to worship God. And as they worship, they jump. They jump so much, and most of our floors are dirt, and so the dust rises up. So you see the people's heads, and then there's this big billow of dust, and we're all just worshiping the Lord together. And isn't it amazing? When Tam and I came to this people, we didn't understand their language. It was so complex, and it made no sense to us. People came and babbled at us, babbled. You get that word babbled at us? It comes from the Tower of Babel. They came and babbled at us, and we didn't know who, what they were saying. We were like, and then now we became brothers and sisters. James Kukon is my best friend, and he's an African. And we spend time together and we love each other. There's nothing, nothing more precious than sitting under an acacia tree with my friend James Kukon and just talking about what the Lord has done for us. He speaks another language. But we're one in Christ. So, so this thing, this, this message, this mission is that in all the world, we would go so that we can seek out our brothers and sisters who are lost. Now, what about your story? That's the story of God. What, what about your story? This is the cool part. Because our stories, individual stories, because each one of us has an individual story, fits into God's story. How? Remember, what, what is God's story? Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. As we join him in that mission our story becomes his story. All of us want our lives to count. And we also want to be comfortable. But the two don't go together. The stuff of the kingdom is wonderful and great and awesome, but it's gritty. And it's not, it's, it's, it doesn't fit like a really nice shirt. Sometimes it's very difficult and very uncomfortable. And I would propose... Every time the kingdom of God advances, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. Listen to these verses. 
2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Wow. Let me read that again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything. Does it say in some things? No, it says in everything. You may have an abundance for every good deed. How many of you guys, when you face a new task, a task, you're like, I, I don't have what it takes to do this. But the word of God says there's this spiritual manna, there's this spiritual energy, there's this spiritual strength that we have that gives us abundance to do what God is calling us to do. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let that sink in a little bit. For we are his workmanship. That, that talks about something precious, like an artist, something made by artisans that's, that's unusual, that is special. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, so there's these... There's these good works, there's these things that God has given us is the way that he's made us that is made for the kingdom of God. It's made to advance the kingdom of God. And you, each one of us here in this room today and listening online, each one of us has that good works, have those good works that we are called to walk in to expand the kingdom of God. But you have to die first. I don't know about you, but I don't like dying. One night during what, when the pandemic was starting, I thought I was dying. I, I, I got dizzy. I got some kind of food poisoning and all the whole, the ceiling was just swimming and the lights were swirling and I was telling, Tammy, tell the kids I love them, <laughs> you know, and I love you. And I thought I was, you know, half an hour later, I was fine. And Tammy was rolling her eyes. But I don't know about you, but I, I don't like the idea of dying. I'm coming to accept it more as I'm being formed more and more into the image of Christ. I'm realizing that dying is just a, a gateway to a better life, you know? I, and I'm learning that I, I don't need to fear it the way I have in the past. Um, and I've seen God, as I've followed him, miraculously save me from things where I should have died numerous times. One time we got um, jumped by MS-13 in Hollywood, which is the number one, one of the biggest, most violent gangs in the world. At that time, there were only 50 of them. And they tried to stab my friend who was behind me, and they threw us against the wall. And in Jesus' name, I just raised my hand, and I said, in Jesus' name, I bind this spirit of violence, and they all ran out. Yeah. And I was like, and it sounds like I'm a super spiritual person, but I was the most surprised person in the room. It's like, wow, this stuff works. This authority stuff works. You see, the Holy Spirit, we cannot do the mission of God without the Spirit of God. We can't do it. 
It's like trying to drive a car without gasoline. It doesn't work. The Holy Spirit is the fuel of mission. But we have to die first. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross. That's a, the cross was the element of death. That's what Jesus died on was a cross. Then next verse, Matthew 16, 25 says, for whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. I always skipped over that verse. I didn't like it for many years. But I've come to understand, and as the Lord has led me in meditation, that it's actually a key in our life as Christians. The word life in that verse is from the Greek suke, which means your soul. What is your soul? It's your bent, it's your personality, it's your gifting, it's your likes, it's your dislikes. It's what makes you uniquely you. It's like when you walk in the parking lot, when somebody who knows you sees you, they know your name just by your walk. It's what makes you, you. That's what the word life is. So when he says, Whenever, whoever wishes to save his soul or his life or who he is, he will lose it. Whatever loses his soul, his uniqueness, for my sake, shall find it. Isn't this the exact opposite of today's pop psychology that talks about self-realization and trying to understand yourself. The word of God says, lose yourself, and then you find yourself. The biblical word for this is surrender. If you die to finding and nurturing and comfort and promoting yourself and putting yourself first in your life, you will actually find yourself. And it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. John 12, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So here we are, we're workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus, but you can't access those good works without dying. Just like John 12, 24 says, first the grain of wheat has to fall and die, and then it can step into what it was meant to be. Now, here's the cool thing. When we talk about these kind of sermons, uh, people are like, well, if, I, if God, you know, if I surrender to God, he's going to call me to be a missionary in Africa. Maybe. I actually hope so, but there's a good chance for most of you, probably not. You, you see, not every seed is the same. Some of you are mango seeds. Some of you are rye. Some of you are wheat. Some of you are avocado. Some of you are peach. But a peach cannot be a peach until it dies. An avocado tree cannot be an avocado tree until that seed dies. If that seed sits there and tries to become something on its own, it will never step into who God made it to be. So in the upside down way of the kingdom of God, death begets life. Surrender allows you to be who you were meant to be in Christ. And it's not cookie cutter you are uniquely you. For many years, I, uh, <clears throat> I know there's different church traditions, so I don't want to step on any toes, but I grew up 
in a church that said, you know, any worship leader should never draw attention to himself. It's all about Jesus. And then I joined a church in L.A. called Christian Assembly, and Tommy Walker is a good friend of mine now. I didn't know him then, but he worshiped, and he's incredible on the guitar, and he's playing this guitar, and in the middle of worship, he does this full-on solo, and I'm like, is that legal? We're in church. He does this full-on solo, and, and then after he does this full-on solo, he just, the whole audience, the whole congregation is on their feet, just clapping and worshiping God, and Tommy just says, Jesus! So, so this part of surrender, is, it, it means, it doesn't mean you become just a paisley white Christian who looks just like the person sitting next to you in the pew. No, it means that you get to live out the passion that God put in your heart. My other friend, Justo Mario, He's one of the best saxophonists in, in the United States. He's Colombian. And uh, at a men's conference we did together, he, he starts playing his saxophone, going around the men in the audience and play, playing his saxophone over people. It was like, and then my other friend up here, um, boy, I'm blanking on his name, Rique Pantoja from Brazil, he's playing on the keyboard. And it's like tongues and interpretation. It's like, Justo is playing the saxophone, and then, then all of a sudden, you know, um, Rike answers on the keyboard and singing. It was amazing. We were in tears. That's not cookie cutter. That's Justo stepping into who he is that God placed in him when he was a little boy in Colombia. And when he really gets going, like he'll do a Christmas special, he, he gets going, he gets so excited, he just gets a white hanky out, and he starts going like this. It's not cookie cutter. God made each of us unique. And we're called to step into that uniqueness by dying to it. By putting him first. By saying, I'm willing to go anywhere and do anything for you, Lord. Anything. Because of what you've done for me. And in that place of surrender, he returns to you who you really are. And he goes, thank you. Now be who I made you to be. Step into my mission. For the Son of God came to seek and to save that which is lost. 30 years ago, Tam and I had our hands laid on us here in Santa Barbara to go to the Maasai. 10 years before that, Tammy was at a missions conference called Urbana. And there was a lady who spoke. Her name was Marilyn Laszlo. And as she spoke, she told about her going to Papua New Guinea and translating the Bible for the Sepik Iwam people who had never had the word of God in their language. And she was on a river, and, and a, a man came down from uh, further up the river and said, we too want to hear the words of God. Will you come and teach us the word of God? And, <clears throat> and she said, we don't have anybody else. We don't have other missionaries, but I will pray. And so the man left, and she couldn't get this man's face out of her mind. And when she'd go to sleep, she would see him. When she'd wake up, she would see him. So she finally got some assistance and uh, loaded up supplies in three canoes and went up the river to find this man and his people. 
he, she found them. And as she stepped out of the boat, she looked on the shore, and here was a thatched building, just like the one they had back where she was for a church, and, and a cross on top, and a cross and a thatch. It was a little church building. And she said, I thought you said no one had come to teach you about the word of God. And he said, nobody had. But we saw that that's where you taught people the words of God. And so we wanted to be ready. Where the son of God came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why we're here, people. Heaven is a much better place That's the story that the Lord planted inside of Tammy's heart when she gave her life to mission. She said, sign me up. I want to be a part of going to teach people who are waiting for the gospel. And so we went and we learned the language and we shared the gospel and they were like, it, they weren't believing. And it was, it, it was hard and we're like, Lord, did you, was this bait and switch? We heard Marilyn Laszlo said people are just waiting and building buildings and and this isn't happening. I'm, I've learned the language, and I'm talking to these old men, and they're saying, well, I don't hate the gospel, you know, chewing tobacco. I don't hate Jesus, you know? And I'm like, you don't hate Jesus? But where is this transformation? Where? And, and we were just stuck. And then we got sick. I, I love catching animals, and I caught a chameleon, and I was playing with the chameleon. The moss, I believe chameleons are poisonous. They're not. They're like what are you doing with that chameleon? Don't let it bite you. And I said, it's harmless. Watch. And I let it bite me. It was a yellow chameleon. Wouldn't you know it? The next day I turned yellow with hepatitis. Has nothing to do with the chameleon. But the moss, I said, we told you. I got sick. Tammy got sick. And no one was believing. We prayed for people to get well and they would get sicker. It's like, God, where are you? And I was so weak with Hepatitis, but I knew I had to do something out of faith. And so I, I, I went back. We were in, in Nairobi where we had gone to convalesce, but I knew I had to go back. I went back and I was so weak. Hepatitis attacks your liver and you are so weak you can't even believe it. But I, was, I knew I had to do something physical because my prayers were just, they were not working. So the next morning, I climbed this little hill, and I got these stones, and I made an altar, and I laid Tammy on the altar, and I laid our kids on the altar, and finally, I laid myself on the altar in our ministry, and I said, God, if you're going to reach the Masai, you're going to have to do it yourself. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. See, sometimes, you know, when we, so we're his workmanship, we surrender and we go and do it, but then we do it in our flesh, and it doesn't work. Moses knew he was called to set his people free, and what does he do? He goes and kills an Egyptian. That's not how God wanted him to set his people free. But as I laid all that on the altar, it was almost as if a sigh, I could hear a sigh in heaven, the Lord has been waiting for that surrender. And it wasn't magic, but we came to the States and uh, we were involved in a revival and I was being prayed for and as I was being prayed for, the spiritual or a prophetic word, you know, a vision was giving, given or a word of knowledge was given 
when you go back, I want you to fish on the other side of the boat. I'm like, what does that mean, fish on the other side of the boat? But it came to mean to us to do less and to pray more. So we actually started canceling, taking our schedule and, and uh, canceling things and, and making more time for prayer. We began to pray and fast. We had a day, 40 days of prayer, praying. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't a magic button, but something changed. A shift happened in the heavenly realm as we did this. My friend James Kukon, God speaks to him in dreams. I'm always asking for a dream from the Lord, but I see a jack in a box and a, it just makes no sense. So God doesn't speak to me in dreams, not yet. But James, God speaks to him in dreams and he had a dream that the drought we were in would be broken on Sunday morning, on Easter morning. And sure enough, Saturday night before Easter began to pour. And in his dream, he had seen us gathered around a water hole worshiping. And as we worshiped, God came, Jesus came down in our midst. And we woke up and here's these water holes where we'd never seen them before. James came. I said, James, your, your, your dream came true. And he goes, yeah, of course it did. And we were gathered around the water hole just like he'd seen in his dream. And we were worshiping him. And all of a sudden we heard from the bushes up the mountainside from Tanzania. This delegation comes out of the trees from Tanzania. And when Maasai do a delegation, it's official and they make a straight line. So this line is winding in and out of the trees coming to us. And they came to us on Easter morning and they said, we have built a building, but we have no one. We have built a building, but we have no one to teach us the word of God. Will you come to Tanzania to teach us the word of God? I didn't even realize the connection between Marilyn Laszlo's testimony that God used to call Tammy. And then that happened. We're writing a book right now. And as we're writing the book, we're seeing these, these things and making these connections that we didn't see before. And all of a sudden, we're like, wow, God did it. And brothers and sisters, we don't have our act together. You can't wait till you have good enough character. You can't wait till your brokenness is completely unbroken. We are a broken, messy people, but God is big in us. And when we allow him to be big in us, he does incredible things. So I went up that valley. We, it was a valley up in Tanzania, and we planted the first church there. We walked, but before we did, we walked around the valley. I took my four of my key guys, Maasai warriors who had become warriors of Jesus Christ. We walked around the valley. We took communion at the four different passes coming into the valley, and we claimed it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that valley was the headquarters. It was a stronghold of the shaman clan. People would come for thousands of miles away to see these shamans. So it was stupid. It was ridiculous that we're asking the Lord for that valley. But you know what? God gave it to us. He gave it to us. Raphael, one of my key guys, was there and leading a prayer meeting. And as he led this prayer meeting, all the shamans came and they had said that it was another drought. And they said it wasn't raining because of you Christians that you've cursed this valley. 
And Raphael said, we are not a curse, we are a blessing because we are the children of Abraham and all the families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham because he is the father of faith. And he said, Jesus is the true Lord and as a sign that you will know that he is the true Lord, it will rain today. And wouldn't you know, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, but sure enough, three o'clock, these clouds show up and it begins to rain so hard that they can't even hear themselves on the tin roof and they just start dancing and worshiping God. John Piper said, missions exist because worship does not. Our job as missionaries is to go and bring more worshipers of the true Lord and Jesus Christ into the family. As I was praying for you guys, and I know I'm going a little bit long, I apologize, I'm an African preacher. We are on a mission, what is that mission? Two things, first of all, to believe and abide in the reality of the kingdom of a loving father above all other realities, above all other narratives. And number two, being life committed to be a witness of that reality to lost brothers and sisters stuck in the deception of other non-realities. Guys, your name is reality. This is what you're called to. In May of 2011, two of those Maasai warriors that walked around and claimed that valley, that valley, there was a mighty deliverance. One of the witch doctor's daughters got demonized and they prayed for her and she was set free. And because of that, 500 people were baptized. The one little church we started there now is 45 churches and 23 emerging churches. It's gone like wildfire. One of those warriors, two of those warriors that went with me that day and claimed that valley for the Lord Jesus Christ in May of 2011 joined with maybe, I don't know if any of you were here in May of 2011. Was anybody here with Reality Santa Barbara praying at the Presidio? Of course you were here. They were here and they prayed with you guys, the same warriors that claim that valley for the Lord Jesus Christ were here in Santa Barbara claiming Santa Barbara for the Lord Jesus Christ. You guys have gone through a dark time, but don't worry. God's just shaking things up so that you'll be more prepared to take this city for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's who you're meant to be. It's what this church is about. One of those warriors was Solomon Kippy, who is now working with us, and he asked me to, how do I do this? I have a microphone over my ears, but I need my glasses. As he prayed for you, he said, read to them these verses, because this is what the Spirit of God is saying over you. Isaiah 61, 1. In three to three, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, upon you, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, 
to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes. Thank you for reading Psalm 13 this morning. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Receive it. As I was praying for you guys, I saw a picture of a trophy in a glass case, like in a museum. And uh, to me, it represented so much of what Santa Barbara is about. is like everyone's seeking this gold trophy of worldly success. But then I saw you guys... And I saw you as Reality Santa Barbara. It's like you just, you're like in this museum. You're kind of giggling a little bit. And because you, God's been working in your midst and he's been creating you, you know, in, in, in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You guys are that, that those living stones being built up. And this, this case that this, this trophy was in was cracking because there was an earthquake and these little chips were coming off the trophy and people were like, it's fake. Everything we've been looking for is fake. And you guys in this picture are giggling because you like are a trophy, but you're not a trophy that you can hold. You're a trophy together as living stones that you're building each other up. You're giving your oakness, your avocado-ness, your peachness, your... You're whatever, you're bringing all of that to build up the body of Christ and you are enjoying the blessing of being the chosen people. And as you are enjoying being the blessing of the chosen people, you are becoming the true trophy of Santa Barbara. Something to aim for. Guys, there's an incredible spiritual battle going on right now, and it's a battle over reality. You guys are called to bring the one true reality to this city. And it's fun. Yes, it will require leaving comfort zones, but there's a secret, and that is that there's this hidden manna that it talks about in, in Revelation. There's this hidden manna we have that allows us to do things that we couldn't do in our own strength. For me to raise my hand and say, I bind you in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of violence in Jesus' name and for 30 MS-13 gang members to turn around in fear, guess what? That has nothing to do with me. That has to do with God being big in me. Praise God that you guys are praying. James Fraser, who brought the gospel to the Lisu people in the early 1900s, and he said, I used to think that prayer should have the first place and teaching the second. I now feel that prayer should have the first, second, and third place and teaching the fourth. Things happen when we pray. Gather together and pray. Pray till something happens. Do less and pray more. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, 
since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Guys, our kingdom cannot be shaken. But the things that are being shaken off our life because of the discomforts we're experiencing because of COVID, because of all the strife in this country right now, are a blessing in disguise because we are coming down to our roots of living in the blessing of Abraham and taking that blessing to others. The Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Reality Santa Barbara. I thank you for the anointing on this church. I thank you, Father, that you have led them. And I thank you, Father, for those who've gone before. I thank you for Chris, Lord. I thank you, Father, for Stephen. And and Father, I, I thank you for Joseph. I thank you for what you are doing, Lord God. And Lord, if, if we are fearful, Lord God, we, we give that fear to you and, and we receive your faith. Lord, if, if we are in a place of unbelief, Lord God, we bring our unbelief. And like the sinner in the New Testament, we say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But Father, thank you, Lord, that you say that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I speak that out. You will build Santa Barbara reality in this place and the gates of hell will not prevail, but will crumble because Santa Barbara Barbara belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.